name is Michael Tuck, and I'm the associate pastor here at Bacon's Castle Baptist Church. We are a local church in Surrey, Virginia, dedicated to making disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the weekly podcast that we put out for our local church family and the church as a whole. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Unity. That's what we're talking about these days, and we're talking about it from Jesus' prayer in John 17. Just a reminder for those of you that maybe were not here last week, we're going to take a break from John's gospel, pick it back up in the spring when we, it kind of ties in with how we celebrate the resurrection, the death and burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. So in between, we're going to do some other things. And one of the things we're going to do through the month of October is talk about unity in the, in the body of Christ. And last week we talked about unity, uh, the unity that we share comes at least in part through the blessings that are ours in Christ, that we have unity in the many things that God has predestined to be ours in Jesus. In Jesus, the Lord has predestined so many good things. You remember them from last week? They include things like being adopted into his family, being forgiven, being, being made holy, that is, blameless, without sin. We've been given an inheritance the future that's for us. And, and, then, and then also he said we're going to, we have been given the Holy Spirit as like a down payment or um, I can't remember the term he used, but uh, like a down payment of our inheritance that's to come. So we're united in all of those blessings uh, through the Lord Jesus, but we're also united in a whole lot more. And this morning I want to talk about the unity that we have in the mission that God has given us. God gave us a mission, and that mission unites us. Win Arm, who is a church consultant, uh, surveyed uh, about a thousand churches asking the question, why does the church exist? And of the members that he surveyed from those churches, 89% of them said, the church's purpose is to take care of my families and my needs. For many, the role of pastor was kind of a, Going along with that, the role of the pastor is to, to keep as many folks in the church happy as possible. Uh, but of pastors that they interviewed of those churches, only 11% said that that was the purpose of the church. The, other, the others said that the purpose of the church was to win uh, the Lord Jesus, I mean, excuse me, win the world to the Lord Jesus. So if you notice, it's almost, it's backwards from what most of the folks in the churches said. So I guess we shouldn't wonder why there's, why there's generally sort of conflict, confusion, maybe even stagnation in our churches if we have these different ideas on what the mission of the church really ought to be. In fact, I want to suggest to you this morning that nothing precedes mission or purpose. The starting point for every church should be this question, why do we exist and if we don't know how to answer that question, if we don't know the reason why Bacon's Castle exists as, a, as an entity here in Surrey County, then we really don't have any foundation. We don't have any motivation. We really don't have uh, any direction or unity. One, uh, one prominent theologian of a past generation said, as a fire exists by burning, so the church exists by mission. If there is no burning, there is no fire. If there is no mission, there is no church. I don't know if he's absolutely right there, but, but I think his analogy does, does carry some weight. Without clear vision, without clear mission, 
then, uh, then we're going we're to sort of be meandering. We're not really going to have unity. So what, what is the mission of the church? Why do we exist? Well, I want us to hear it this morning from what I think is the heart of Jesus and from his very lips. And he never articulates a precise statement and says, this is the mission of the church. Some of you might immediately be saying, no, that's not true. He really does. Uh, and we'll talk about that in just a moment because I think the mission is bigger than what may have just pass through your mind. Throughout the generations of the church, we've tried to, we've tried to narrow that, that mission down into a pithy statement, a catchy, rememberable thing so that we can all remember it. So this is the mission of the church. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, with trying to distill the mission into a catchy phrase so that we can remember it better. But that's what, I'm not going to do that this morning. I, I'm going to kind of look at the mission, I think, in, in somewhat uh, of a, a, a deeper fashion. Now, I actually think the mission of the church uh, is found in what we believers call uh, two paramount and even paragon statements of the Lord Jesus. We've actually named these statements. We call them the great commandment and the great commission. And I think that in those two statements, Jesus never says this together, but I think if we take those two statements, we can find our mission. And so that's what I want to do this morning. We're going to look at those two statements and we're going to see uh, what is our mission? And I think if we are committed to that, if we understand it, and if we're committed to it, then we'll have this indissolvable, uh, an unalterable unity in the body of Christ. And I don't just mean at Bacon's Castle, I mean in the greater body of Christ, if we understand what our mission is. So these two statements are familiar to you, I'm sure. The Great Commandment, the Great Commission, I'm going to read them both. They'll be on the screen behind me. If you want to look them up, you can, or if you just want to follow along on the screen. But the first one is the Great Commandment. And it comes as a question to the Lord Jesus, the, the religious leadership of his day, I think maybe trying to you know, stumble him, whatever. They asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? To which he answers, he says, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. I think we're going to find in that statement right there our mission, or at least part of our mission. The second statement is the Great Commission. When I said there was no one statement, you probably say, oh yeah, there is. It's the Great Commission. I don't think, I think the Great Commandment needs to be coupled to that as far as finding our mission. Um, but, uh, but the Great Commandment, I mean, Great Commission really is a mission statement, if you would. And it's probably one of the more familiar passages in the Bible. Let me, re let me read it to you. It's Matthew 28, verse 18 and following. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, uh, even to the end of the age. Jesus said the uh, the, the greatest commandment can, commandment can be distilled into, uh, into two and, and then he has this very condensed statement of what we're supposed to be about. So I've thought about this. How can I express these to you all in a fresh way? Because this is very familiar stuff, is it not? Most of you that have been following Jesus, maybe you're here and you've not been a follower of Jesus. Maybe these statements aren't all that familiar. So this will be good for, for you. But for the rest of us, maybe it's been something we've been hearing since childhood, right? So how do I make it fresh? I don't know how to make it fresh. I can't. I'm just going to have to work my way through it. And hopefully it'll be a good reminder to, uh, to all of us. So let, let's start with the great commandment. What, does everybody understand what I want to do? I want, to, I, want us to, I want us to identify our mission. 
And then in identifying that mission, I believe it brings unity if we're all pursuing the same mission. All right? And that's really my overarching theme for these messages for these next few weeks is how do we have unity as a church? Knowing our mission, living our mission is going to bring unity. So here's the, first, here's the first part of our mission found in the great commandment. Unity will come naturally when we love God with all of our being. So the first part of our mission statement, I think, should be that we exist to love God with everything that, uh, that we are. Now, we're a group of people, right? But we're made up of individuals. And so really the key to this being true for us as a church is individually, you need to love God with your whole being. And I need to love God with my whole being. And when we do love God with our whole being, then, then we're going to be on mission and we're going to have unity. Some have suggested that a, a word, a religious Christian word, if you would, that, that sort of inculcates this idea of loving God would be worship. To, to love God is to worship God. To worship God is to love him. And, and I kind of agree. When I think about loving God, I naturally gravitate, gravitate to my feelings. I think I'm a pretty emotional person. And so therefore, when I think about love, I think about feelings. Any of you like me? Do you think when you think about love, you think about feelings? Well, that's kind of how I feel. But that's really, now the Bible doesn't preclude feelings. I think we should feel love for God. I make no apology about saying that. I don't, I don't think loving God is, is just this, this uh, activity that we do, all right? I think it has to do with my heart, uh, feeling love for him. However, the Bible is, is really, when, when it speaks about loving God, it speaks more of action than it does of feelings. It, it speaks more of what we do than just how we feel, okay? And um, so I think it's fair for us to say, Love is worship and worship is love. I think, I think that's legitimate. Our mission together, maybe the priority of our mission should be that we together and individually and together, we're going to love God with all of our being and we're going to worship God with, with all of our being. Now, whether I'm by myself or when I'm by myself, hopefully I'm worshiping God. I'm, uh, you know, one of the things that we're talking about in the discipleship Sunday school class is, or Sunday school group, I don't want to call it a class, the discipleship group that we're doing on Sunday mornings is, you know, that one of the, and this is what I told them, I don't know how you, if you feel this way or not, but I, I feel like I'm talking to God all throughout the day. I feel like I'm, I'm trying to practice the presence of God so that I'm walking with him and talking to him throughout the day. But even when I do that, I think of this, Jesus, the son of God, would pull aside by himself just to be with God. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he was talking to God, walking with God all throughout the day, but even in the morning before anybody else woke up, he got out by himself and he was spending time with God. Somebody said, hey, you know, I'm talking to God through all, the, all throughout the day, but when, when I pull aside, it's maybe so he can talk to me, right? So, um, so whether I'm by myself or whether I'm with a group of 12 believers or whether I'm in this group of 200 or even a much larger, larger group, like if y'all go to Passion, some of you college students go to, and, and older high schooler students, if y'all go to Passion, you'll be with, with thousands of other people loving and, and worshiping God. Whatever setting I'm in, our mission is to love God with everything that we are. In Matthew chapter four, Jesus is meeting with the adversary as he begins his ministry. And, uh, and the adversary is trying to dissuade him, not persuade him, dissuade him from his mission. And Jesus says this, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. 
So really the first priority is worshiping, loving God and serve him. Somebody pointed out that notice it's worship and then serve, right? Sometimes we get it backwards and we think serving is just, is, you know, and serving is an aspect of, of loving God and worshiping God, but, but it's different. Worship is that whole inclination of my heart towards him. Psalm 34 verse 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and be glad. Proclaim the, great, the Lord's greatness with me. Now listen, let us exalt his name together, right? Together. And, and so, so when we come together, we exist as a church, as, as a family. We exist as a group of people because we want to worship God individually, but we want to worship God together. We want to exalt his name together. And though this is somewhat of a command, I don't think that God desires it for just to be, for us just to respond to his command. God desires that this be the, the wellspring of our life. This be what rises from within me, not just as commanded from outside of me, but I recognize God and I want to respond to his love love and value him. You know, um, when I asked the question, what does worship look like? What does loving God look like? Jesus says, he said, to love me is to, anybody remember? To obey me, right? To love me is to obey me. And, uh, and I definitely think that's true. But maybe a more encompassing description of what it means to worship and love God is to value God above everything else. To love God is to worship God and make him our highest goal, our greatest end, our all-consuming passion in life. If individually you and I will do that, if we will value God above everything else, then when we come together, we'll do that as a group. And the, the, outspring, the outgrowth of that is that we will always have unity. We will always be on the same page if indeed our, our greatest desire is to value God above, above everything else. You know, I, I think about this verse often. You hear me quote it often. It's the, it's the verse from Hebrews eleven six, where God says, without faith, you can't please me because the one who comes to me must believe that I exist and that I am a rewarder of those who seek me. And you know that seek me part? I mean, that's, you know, when I read that now, I'm thinking that's the person who values God. That's the person who values and wants to pursue God. That's the person whom God uh, God responds to. Now I have two applications for this. I mean, they're just obvious things, but two applications. One would be worship God by yourself. Choose to value God above everything else. Pull aside. I mean, practice the presence of God all throughout the day. As you're walking through your day, be talking to God. Tell him when you mess up. He knows it anyway. And be asking him for advice all throughout the day. I mean, learn to live with God all throughout your day so that he's with you, okay? But like I've said this numerous times before, not just today, but there is that aspect of pulling aside. And I really want to encourage us to, to do that, to try to have the, the time where it's just me and God, where we're just talking. So that'd be one application for this mission of loving God uh, individually. But, but we're talking about the church and having unity in the church. And here's the other thing that I would say to us as far as the mission is concerned. We are to love God together. We are to come together and exalt uh, his name. So if I have an application for you, I would say prioritize this time. Prioritize this time. There was a day in which all followers of Jesus prioritized this time. Now let me be honest and say they probably prioritized this time because it was the only social event in their lives. 
They, they prioritized this time because this is where they saw their friends and they enjoyed being together. And so that was a huge motivator for them to prioritize this time. You know, today we don't have that anymore. In fact, they say that the church has changed so that, you know, you're considered a, a really committed, faithful part of the body if you come once or twice a month. Seriously, that's how we judge commitment today, once or twice a month. And, and again, it's not about, how can I say this so that you're following what I'm saying? I am not talking about punching a checklist and twice a month you punch the checklist and you're here twice. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about prioritizing our loving God together. In fact, it, it, this goes all the way back to the beginning because in, in Hebrews chapter 10, you know, the author of Hebrews already says, don't forsake gathering yourselves together. This is the habit of some, but all the more encouraging one another. I mean, this, is, this, should, be, uh, this should be something that we prioritize, not, not as a checklist, but because our mission is to love God. Our mission is to worship God together. And that's how we do it. We come together and we worship God. Can I just commend you this morning? I, I don't know what made the difference. Maybe it's in my own heart. But man, our praise and worship this morning, the singing, just, I don't know if it's just me, but it just seemed to have a greater passion for the Lord. Man, if we could come every Sunday morning saying, Lord, I've had a, a really yucky week. And it's been really, really hard. And I don't really feel like it. But you know what? You are worthy today. I'm going to sing to you and love you. And I'm, I'm going to just let my love for you just come all out. And, and you know, if only we could do that, I, I think the Spirit of God would do great things, even greater things maybe among us. Here's the second one. Unity, from the great commandment, unity will come naturally when we love each other as we love ourselves. In other words, our mission is to love God with all of our hearts, and then our mission is to love one another, to love each other. They ask the question, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus says, it's this, love God. He says, but the second is like it. So in other words, he, he says, I think he's saying anyway, that the second command and the first, first command and the second command, they're inextricably linked together. You can't just separate them. And I know this is true. I know it's absolutely true because John the apostle would absolutely say this. And so the guy who seemed to know Jesus, maybe the, maybe the best of the 12 of them, I don't know, but the guy who was with him there in the upper room, who actually went to the cross, he's the only one mentioned that was at the cross. He's the first guy to run to the tomb. This guy would write this in his letter. We, this is 1 John 4, 19, if you're taking notes. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God. If anyone says, man, the greatest commandment is, all, I'm all about it. I love God with all my heart, soul, and, be, and being. He says, and yet hates his brother and sister. He is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this commandment from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother uh, and his sister. So it seems like in the mind and heart of John that loving God and loving others are so inextricably linked together that you cannot do one uh, without the other. And, uh, you know, I definitely want to remove this from the realm of feelings that I talked about earlier um, you know, I, I do think loving has a feeling aspect and component to it, but I can love whether I have feelings or not. I can love you and I can, I can desire the best for you and, and I, can, um, I can prioritize you without feelings. 
Someone has suggested that a good word for this might be ministry or serving one another. I, I, think, that's, I think that's legitimate as well. Uh, and by the way, ministry or loving one another, it's not a one-way street. See, this is where I think in that when Win Armed asked these people, what's the, what's the purpose of the church? And they said, well, it's that pe- the church might meet my needs. I, man, I think they just, they misunderstood it. The purpose of the church is to meet our needs, right? But it's not that I meet, it's not for you to meet my needs, it's for me to meet your needs. It's for me, not me as pastor, me as Jimmy the believer. It's for me to meet your needs, but it's your responsibility to meet the needs of others around you as well. That's what, that's what, it, that's what we're all supposed to do. We're supposed to meet each other's needs. And maybe we're just so immature in our faith and still so selfish in our faith that we're, we're like that huge group of people that says the purpose of the church is to meet my needs. Now, I want to say, is it wrong for us to say that the purpose of the church is to meet the needs of the people? Absolutely not. If there's anything I want you to see, and one, here's another problem that I think that the, the folks who answered Win Arms' uh, question, here's another mistake I think a bunch of them made, pastors included. The, the, the mission of the church and the mission of God for us, it is not this monolithic one thing. The mission of the church is multifaceted. At least in this, in this great commandment, there's at least two facets to the mission. Love God with all of what we are and then love one another. That's two facets. It's not one or the other. It's both and. Love God and, and love people. And you can't extricate them. You can't separate them. So Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, consider the people sitting beside you, consider them as more important than yourself. Everyone should look out, not only for his own interest, but look out for the interest of the other people on the bench beside you. You see, you see, it's not about me, but I'm so selfish and I'm so self-focused that I miss the point that ministry is outward and the purpose of God and the mission of the church is outward and it's outward for me. Now, of course, it's outward for you and I'm out of you. So, you know, when I'm hurting and when I need help, you're ministering to me, but I should never look at it as it's all about me. I should look at it as how can I serve? And this has nothing to do with how much money you have. This has nothing to do with... It has nothing to do with your, your status in life. It has to do with your heart to, to love people and to care for people around you. As I look for an illustration of this, I came across William Booth. And y'all probably, some of, maybe most of you know who William Booth is, but William Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army. And uh, he was saved there in England. He was saved under the ministry of Methodism. I'm not sure if if, uh, John Wesley in particular led William Booth to the Lord. But uh, when William Booth trusted in Christ, he became an impassioned believer who wanted to love people. And here's something he said. And this, I'm sure, is, is, is a little bit deep into his growing Christian maturing life. But this is what he wrote. He said, while women weep as they do now, I'll fight. While little children go hungry as they do now, I'll fight. While men go to prison in and out, in and out as they do now, I'll fight. While there is a drunkard left, while there is a poor lost girl upon the streets, while there remains one dark soul without the light of God, I'll fight. I'll fight to the very end. What if we fought for people? with such love. 
What if we really were willing to put it all on the line to love each other and not just love each other? This whole idea of loving people is beyond ourselves, right? It begins, the Bible says, it begins with us. If we don't care for each other, how in the world can we care for anyone out there, right? But it's not supposed to be just that we care for each other. It's supposed to be that we love our neighbor. When asked, who is your neighbor? Remember they asked that question? Well, who's my neighbor? Remember Jesus told the story of the, of the Good Samaritan. And the whole point of that story was your neighbor is the person in need. Well, regardless of their ethnicity, regardless of whether they're Jew or Gentile, he said it didn't matter. Doesn't matter whether they're female or male. Doesn't matter whether they're rich or poor, educated or not educated. Whoever's in need around you that you know of, that's your neighbor. And loving them, the mission is to love them. So we need to love them. All right, let me go on. So the third, the third thing, unity, I would say unity will come naturally when we make disciples as we go. So in other words, the, the third aspect of this mission that God has for us is that, uh, that we need to make disciples. And so Jesus begins the, the great commission statement in Matthew 28. He begins it by saying, in my authority, which is all authority, I say, go and make disciples. Now you may not know this, but that uh, that statement there is a uh, is present tense participle. So in, in the Greek language, a better translation of that, and maybe some translations do this, but it's, it's, it's the idea of as you are going, make disciples. That's, that's the idea there. It's not like go and necessarily go to the mission field or go and leave your house and go purposely to make disciples. It's, it's as we're going in life, make disciples. Disciples, And if you'll allow me to expand it a little bit, here, here's, here's how I think maybe Jesus would, would say it to us this morning if he was here. He would say, as you're going, loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and as you're going, loving people like you love yourself, make disciples. As you're loving me and as you're loving others, make disciples. Disciples, and, I, and I've said this already, but I, it's in my notes. I want, to, I want to repeat it again. I hope you're realizing that our that our mission is not a uh, it's not a one thing. It's not a monolithic mission. It basically has numerous parts to it. And so, again, we make a mistake. I think if we just say, "Well, the mission of the church is this one part," and we leave out these other parts. So I think there's five parts to, to, the, to the mission, and I think maybe everything else would fall under this. But, but here's the mission. Of the, this is why we exist as a church. We are to make disciples. Now, if we're going to be on the same page, we need to answer the question, what is a disciple? Hopefully, you're sitting here this morning, and if I were to ask you, what are you? Your, your answer might be, I am a disciple of Jesus. Okay, so what do you mean by that? Well, the word itself means learner. So at least, you know, our mission is to help people become learners of, of the Lord Jesus, right? I, I need to be a learner. But the idea of learning from Jesus or from Jesus so that I might have more knowledge about him is not right. It is not that I'm learning so I can know more things about Jesus. It is learning so that I might follow him. It is learning so that I might observe what he's taught me to do. And so if you go back to the, to the New Testament, we read things like this. Jesus is preaching. He's on the edge of the shore. The crowd's becoming so big, he's, he's pushed into the water. He gets in a boat, Peter's boat, and he parks just off the shore, and he preaches. And then after he's finished, he says, Peter, let's go fishing. You remember this story. And they catch so many fish. Peter says, oh, man, Lord, get away from me. I'm a sinner. And then Jesus says to him, Peter, come and follow me. 
Come and follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. He found Matthew the tax collector sitting at his desk. He said, Matthew, come and follow me. Another guy said, I want to follow you, but let me bury my dad. And he said, let the dead bury the dead. You come and follow me. Jesus said this. This is really hard. If anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. On another occasion, he said, if anyone is not willing to take up his cross and follow me, he's not worthy of me. Two different times. To the rich young ruler who came to him and said, hey, I want to be, I want to be you know, right with God, Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, go sell your belongings, give them to the poor, you'll have treasure in heaven, then come and follow me. Somehow or another, I think, again, you don't have to agree with me, but I think we've confused this decision that we make for being a disciple. In other words, somehow along the way, we've, dis- we, we've confused the idea that I made a decision to to believe in Jesus and even to trust Jesus, and we've, we've somehow divorced it from following Jesus, and, and I don't think there is such a thing. Our mission is never to make decisions of the Lord Jesus. Our, 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 our call is to make followers of the Lord Jesus, disciples of the Lord Jesus, learners of the Lord Jesus. And you see, if we all understand that and we all get involved with the mission, then we're going to have unity. If all of us are making disciples, if that's what we believe God's called us to as a church, then we're going to have unity. Here's a bit of trivia, but it's not trivial. How many times in the Bible does, does it refer to us as Christians? Anybody know? Anybody want to venture a guess? It's three. Two in Acts and one in Peter. All right. Uh, how many times does the scripture refer to us as those who follow Jesus as disciples? It's almost 270 times. Um, If I had to attach a word to our mission here, it would be this. We are to be disciple-making. That's the mission. We're to be disciple-making. We're not necessarily getting people to acquiesce to certain truth. We're getting people to follow Jesus and learn from him. That's what our mission is. Now, that does begin with us talking about Jesus. And that would be where evangelism might come in. That would be where the whole idea of, of trying to introduce the truth, the good news to people so that they might make... Every disciple begins with a decision, right? But not every decision is a disciple, all right, but every, everyone begins with a decision. And so therefore, if, if our mission is to make disciples and it's not my mission alone or somebody or just the extroverts or the leadership or whatever, if it's all of our mission, then, then all of us need, all of us need to be making disciples and that begins with telling people the good news. We, we, need, to, we need to go there. I mean, all of us need to go there. It's not just me. I think it was Wednesday of this week we had a lot of people working on the building, and this guy from NOAA came, the National Oceanic and Atmosph- Atmospheric uh, Administration was here. And you say, what in the world was NOAA here for? And I'm thinking, it has something to do with water runoff or whatever. But you, you may not know this, but in our front yard out there back in 1934, uh, NOAA, or whatever it was called back then, if it's called then, they put a marker in the ground out in front of our church out there. And surveyors from all over use that marker out in the front yard of our church to make sure, to calibrate, to make sure they're right. And so he was telling me that Noah is going around checking all the markers, just making sure they're still calibrated right or using satellites and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it was really interesting. We're walking to the car and, uh, and, and, and I said, wow, that reminds me of something. I said, his name was Steve. And I said, Steve, 
You know, if there is no God, if there is no God outside of ourself, there is no marker, because he was talking about how the surveyors, if two surveyors disagreed on something, they'd use that marker to figure out who's right. I said, if there is no God outside of ourselves, you know, there's no marker to say who's right or wrong. In other words, if I say this is right and you say, no, it's not, it's wrong, this is right, and I say, no, that's wrong, if there is no God outside of ourselves to tell us what is right and wrong, then we have no way of knowing. And, uh, and it was really neat because he goes, wow, I never thought about that. And, and the conversation went on and, and I got to share the gospel with him. Later on that afternoon, the Verizon guy was here. And, uh, you know, and uh, I was talking to him and we were talking and we share a love of motorcycles and you know where that led to, right? So uh, I got to tell him about my shepherd, right? And, and my loss of Shep. And, and that just led to more. And actually, to be honest with you, before I could even talk to him about spiritual things, I guess the conversation had just led to that place, right, where he goes, I had, he said, are you the pastor here? And I said, yeah. He said, I attend, and he named the church he's a part of. But he said, and so, you know, so we talked a little bit more, and I, I discerned that this, this, this guy really was a brother in the Lord already. But here was something really neat, because remember, our, what, what, is, what is our mission? What have I said our mission is? Somebody answer me. What is it? It's to make disciples, right? And so I'm, so I'm looking at that. Once I find out that he's a brother, I have an opportunity to help disciple my brother, and he made the statement to me, and again, I know it's because I'm a pastor. I know that, that, that my position opens people up to talk about these. I get that, but that, that doesn't preclude you. God can still use you and uses you, Dick Lane, like that all the time, right? So he can use all of us this way. But, but he went on to tell me about how his job, he has to work on Sundays. And, and he said, man, that just really... That really just causes me distress because my little boys don't see me. My wife takes them to church, but I'm working so many Sundays. And, and I went on to tell this brother, I said, and, and this is how I felt like, okay, I said, Lord, this is now about helping my brother disciple and be, be deeper in the Lord. Right? So this is what I told him. What would you have told him? This is what I told him. I said, bro, listen, you can't go on Sundays, but you know what? You need to be a spiritual leader in your home. You need to let those boys see you now in the home following Jesus. You need, to, you need to have family devotions with them so that they see that this is just as important to you as it is to their wife, to, to, your, to their mom, your wife, right? And so we talked about, we talked about that. And, and at the end of that, you know, we, he started asking me how I grew spiritually or I, I don't know how it came on, but I, I talked to him about podcasts and how that has helped me grow spiritually so much in the last five years years. And I said, and, and, I, and I gave him podcasts to listen to and encouraged him in that. You know, when, when he left, I mean, we exchanged numbers and I really felt like I had encouraged him in his discipling and his walk, his following Jesus. So here's what I'm trying to say to you. Disciple making does begin with evangelism. It does begin with us talking to people about the good news, but it cannot, it must not, it should not in there. It has to be about helping people grow, helping people go, helping people know the truth and follow Jesus, okay? I'm spending too much time here. Make, making disciples, and it isn't the job of just a few select people. It's all of our responsibilities. I tell you what, our discipleship group in Sunday school, I, mean, I am so encouraged. Then I won't, you know, you know, so encouraged by some of the things that, that folks are saying. Like, I, I never knew this. I never knew that, that disciple making is God's calling for me. And I, I've been greatly encouraged by that. 
Number four, unity will come naturally when we baptize people in, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Again, that's the second part, if you would, of this, uh, of this great commission statement that Jesus gave us. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, uh, as you know, this is, this is part of making disciples. It begins with baptism. But I don't know about you, but it kind of sounds funny that God makes baptism such a prominent thing, right? This ritualistic act. Why does it have such prominence among, in, in the words of Jesus? And, and I think the answer is this. Now, listen carefully. The answer is because baptism is the identification mark that I belong to Jesus and I partner with God's people and I'm part of God's family. It's a twofold identification mark. One is that I belong to Jesus, but it's also that I belong to you. And that's why I think it's so, so important to us. Now, here's a funny thing. Now, listen to me, what I want to say right now. As the people of God, we can't even agree with what baptism represents. Can't even agree with what it represents. Some of us say it represents the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. Some of us say it represents the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. So we don't even agree as followers of Jesus on what it symbolically means. And we don't agree how to administer it. And so some people... Baptized by immersion as we do. Others baptized by effusion or pouring. Others baptized by sprinkling, folks. We don't even agree on, on, uh, on how, how to uh, administer it. And yet Jesus says, or excuse me, Paul says, there is only one body and one spirit, just as we are called in one hope at our calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. So Paul says there's only one baptism, but we don't even agree on what it symbolizes or how to administer it. Does that bother y'all? I mean, does that feel, seem weird to y'all? It does to me, right? But here's the one thing about baptism that I don't care how you think it should be administered or even what you think it means, represents. Here's the one thing we all agree on, that baptism is our mark of identification, Baptism is the thing we put on to say, I belong to Jesus. I, I follow Jesus and I am a part of his people. And if there's one word that would best represent this part of the, ministry, of the mission, I, I chose the word camaraderie. Real spiritual word there, right? Camaraderie. I think that's the, the whole idea here. Baptism is that we, we're saying, I'm a part of this people group. I'm a part of this family. I believe, I believe with these people, okay? There we go full circle. I truly love these people. So baptism is our mark of identification. Last week we had three people get baptized. And, um, you know, forgive me if I have not communicated well from this desk the importance of baptism. Baptism isn't a take it or leave it thing, everyone. It's not in the XYZ file folder in the bottom drawer of the filing cabinet, something that I can pull out if I want. No, according to Jesus, this is paramount. This is where we start our following. This is where I say, hey, I'm his. Hey, I belong to you. I said, where? So we, we should be talking this up. We should be encouraging people to be baptized. I want to do that this morning. Do any of you want to belong to Jesus? Then stand up and be baptized. Stand up and follow him in this outward symbol that you belong to him and you identify with God's people. That brings me to the last one. 
Unity will come naturally in our church family and in the greater body of Christ. Because remember, we say this all the time. We are one family, but the body of Christ is much, much, much bigger than us. And it includes people that don't necessarily even agree with us on a lot of different things. Remember, remember the, the, the Apostles' Creed last week? And, you know, I mean, or a couple weeks ago, we talked about that. that or maybe it was last week. You know that the Apostles' Creed, it was, it was 110 words, I think. And again, you know, Micah, you helped me with this. You know, you, when you talked about the Constitution of the United States, I mean, the Constitution is this big, but we've added, what, 20, how many, 28 amendments or whatever. We've made it a whole lot bigger over time. We've had to, right? So I get it. So the, the Apostles' Creed, I, I get why it's so basic and, and so little. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't add to it and that our, that our creeds and biblical statements aren't going to be bigger than that. But, but I still think... They need to be as small as, I'm chasing a rabbit, dadgummit, I got to get back on task. Um, that, that, that the body of Christ is just, we don't, the body of Christ is bigger than just us. It's bigger than just us. And, and we need to recognize that. And, and, the, 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 and so we, we, are, we are one in the Lord. All right, let's go to the last thing. Uh, unity will come naturally when, when we understand that the mission is to teach one another to obey Jesus. Following Jesus is obeying Jesus. Uh, it's obeying his will. It's obeying what he told us to do. And so we teach people to observe what Jesus taught us. Now, a good word for this might be maturity or even sanctification. Sanctification is another one of those religious words. You know what it means, right? Sanctification means to be sanctified. Sanctified is another word for holy. So it's uh, we are being made holy. Let me, let me take it out of these religious terms and say it like this. The, the, the goal here is transformation. And the goal here is that I be like Jesus. I look like Jesus, not necessarily as far as my facial you know, uh, stuff goes, or you women, you're going to have a really hard time looking like him, right? So it's not, I'm not talking about physical here. I'm talking about looking like Jesus in his character, looking like Jesus in his, in his commitments, in his attitudes, and the things that he thinks are important, all right? And so our goal is to make followers of Jesus, and then, and then we're to baptize them. We, we are to get them to identify with the body of Christ. And maybe these are even subsets of making disciples, but we're to get them to identify with, with the body of Christ, with, uh, with all of us, and we're to get them to identify with Jesus. And then we're to teach them to do the things that Jesus did and to, te- and to, do, and to, to be like Jesus in all of his ways. Now listen, if you're tracking with me, if you're tracking with me, um, the Gnostics, you've heard that word before, right? Gnosticism was a, like, uh, a false religion that grew up at the time when, when, when the church was just beginning. And the Gnostics, in a nutshell, here's what they said. It's what you know that makes you right with God. We, we, we're, we're very Gnostic today. We, we've, tra- we, we've gone from following Jesus to saying what we know is all important. It is not what we know that's all important. It's what we do. Notice what Jesus said. He said, go make disciples of all the nations. By the way, I left that out. Remember, he said, go to all the nations. So it's, it's, it starts at home and it goes to the world. All the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to what? Observe. Observe. To do all that I've commanded you. 
you know, somehow along the way, because we're saved by grace, that we've somehow, we've sort of, we've sort of cut off the, the obedience part. Man, obedience is important. Doing the things that God wants us to do is important. We need to follow the Lord. And part of our mission is to help us do that, is to help us do what Jesus is calling every one of us to do together. And so I think that means, that means calling us out to do the hard things that Jesus, and not just, not just know the things, but do the things. Like, did you know this is something that Jesus wants you to do? Watch this little video clip. I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I, see, I, I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's, what, that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. If you don't know what that's about, I think maybe most of you do, but um, that's uh, Officer... Geiger, I think is how you say her last name, but she went into a, an apartment. She, thought, she says she thought it was her own, and she shot that man's brother and killed him. She'd been just worked a long shift. And uh, the reason I'm showing you that is because... You can go ahead and stop it, uh, Mark. The reason I'm showing you that is because it's easy for us to know that I'm supposed to forgive, right? You know, before, before that ever happened... Before that ever happened, I would ask myself, God, if that had been Shep, and again, you know, forgive me, but this is just, that's my life, right? If that had been Shep, would, would I have been so willing to forgive an officer who went and shot my son like that? What, what would I have done? And, and, you know, and of course, we never know what we do until we're in the middle of it, right? But, but I would say, Lord, I think that I would forgive her. I think I would forgive her. And then, and then this young man, you know. That is not what we know. Being a disciple, the mission of the church is to teach, the mission that we have from Jesus is to teach one another to do what God has called us to do. Not just to know what God has called us to do, but to do what God has called us to do. I could probably sit here this morning and argue argue that uh, we know enough already. We don't need to learn anything else. I don't think that's true. I think there's still more for us to know, but it's, it's to know that we might, that we might uh, do. So it's not enough to know that we need to forgive. I need to forgive. It's not enough to know that I'm supposed to sacrificially care for others. Um, I'm supposed to do that. It's, I'm, not just, I'm not supposed to just know that I'm supposed to prefer you as more important than myself. I need to live that out. It's not enough to know that I'm supposed to release anger. I've got to release my anger. I've got to do these things. Our mission is to teach others. I feel it's a compulsion from the Lord to teach 
us to obey the Lord Jesus. Don't forget what we're talking about. We're talking about unity in the body of Christ. And unity will come when we all understand the mission and we all embrace it clearly. So let me end by articulating the mission as, I've, as I believe Jesus would articulate it without trying to make it pithy, pithy or, or catchy or anything. Here's the mission. This is the mission that should unite us as a church. You listening, everyone? Our mission as Bacon's Castle Baptist Church or our mission as the body of Christ, the greater body, is to love God with all of our being and to love others as we love ourselves and as we go through our lives loving like that, we are to help others become disciples, followers of Jesus, and then connect them to each other in the family and teach each other to be like Jesus. And can I say that teaching others to be like Jesus, I mean, that's been God's desire from the very, very beginning, that we be like him. That's the goal from the very beginning. If you will live that mission, and if I will live that mission, and if we will live that mission... <laughs> We will be powerful in the Lord. We will be powerful as a church. We will be united as a church. And we will change the world. Let's bow our heads. Yeah, you can clap for that. That's true. You can clap for that. Actually, don't bow your head. Look up at me. Do you want to join the mission this morning? I'm not saying, do you want to join the mission this morning? I mean, you're not on the mission. You never joined us. You want to join us this morning? Just lift your hand out. Let me see it. <laughs> okay, let me rephrase that question. Or maybe you're saying, hey, I really want to get on mission. I'm going to give you two. Uh, here's, here's, here's the question. If you're not a part of that mission already, do you want to join that mission? If you do, just raise your hand. Let me see it. All right. For those of us that are in the kingdom, I mean, I don't want to have you raise your hand. Yeah, raise your hand. Would you, would you reaffirm your desire to be on mission for God with the Lord? Let's pray together. Father, we've heard you this morning. Jesus, we've heard you. We really want to love you above everything else and value you as more important than anything else in this life. You know, we, we, we confess our frailty in that. We confess that, Lord, you know, we're still selfish and we still want to value ourselves over you. But we're just reaffirming this morning as a church family our desire to value you above everything else. And we come together this morning to, to say, Lord, we want to, this is a prayer of confession, Father. We want to value each other as more than we value ourselves too. Or we want to prefer others as more important than ourselves. We want to love others like we love ourselves. We come and we affirm also before you this morning in this closing prayer, Lord, that we are committing ourselves to making disciples, to outside these walls trying to tell people about Jesus and the good news of eternal life. And, and we're also saying, Lord, that we want to help each other be a follower, a better follower. We want to help people, we want to help people, Lord, uh, identify with us and identify with you. And actually help them come to a place of being willing to be baptized in their self-identification with you as you prioritize that. And then finally, Lord, we want to teach each other to obey. Lord, help us to hold one another accountable, to encourage one another to, you know, not to beat each other up, but to really be that, that, that help for one another. Help us, help us live out the mission. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening this week. 
If you have any questions, you can email them to Pastor Jimmy at baconscastle.com. Also, check out our website at baconscastle.com to get to know us and see what God is doing locally here in Surrey. Be blessed. Thank you.